Miguel Cabrera makes history. The offense continues to struggle, and I get incredibly sunburned. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, April 25th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. That is, of course, including YouTube. Check us out on the tube. Um, Tigers drop two of three to the Colorado Rockies. Outside of Coors Field, never, never, uh, never a great sign. Never great to uh, t- to lose a series to the Rockies. Uh, really, period. But more so, very much more so when they're not in Coors. Their home and road splits are so substantially different. <laughs> like they are a completely different ball club when they're playing in Colorado versus when they're not. Uh, and you can't you can't be dropping two or three to Colorado in 2022 you can't so we dropped two of three miggy does make history and that was fun it was fun right we had a good time it was i mean the whole game was fun right not only did uh did miguel cabrera get his 3000th hit he also got his 3000 first hit and passing roberto clemente and then they put up 13 and on top of that, Tarek Skubal was fantastic. So, really, an all-around great first game of this series. The 1 o'clocker on Saturday was fantastic. And then the rest of the series, we just laid an egg. The, the, the offense hit us with a with a pump fake. Little, little, little head action there, right? Get, gets him to bite every time. Hit us with a pump fake. I mean, seriously. We go and we put up 13 runs at home in a game where there's a like ceremony in the middle of a game. We still we put up 13. It's consistent the entire time. Hitting the ball really well start to finish. Have a shutout uh, on the other end, on the pitching side of things. And then the, the, the rest of the series, I'm, I mean, we almost got shut out both of the next two games. The nightcap on Saturday... We scored finally in the ninth. And then the game on Sunday, I, I've i never seen a game where nothing offensively went the Tigers' way really like that. It was remarkable. They were hitting balls hard. It was going right at people. They were getting men on base. That Like the, the, the hits and walks weren't really a problem on Sunday. But the offense is is just cannot. I mean, that Robbie Grossman play really subs it up perfectly, right? We have we have two men on. I believe we had first and second one out. There's a pop up that does get down over the third baseman's head, and we're thinking, oh, we might have bases loaded, one out. Nope, it, it was too shallow in the left field. I, it, that's not a base running error by Robbie Grossman. That's just bad luck. Like 
that's it's hard to read. You can't take too much of a lead off second base, or else you're gonna. If it is caught, then you can get doubled off. But you also can't be uh, clearly too close to second, or else if it does drop, then you're gonna get hosed, and that's exactly what happened. Just like not when it rains, it pours, and like nothing was going right for this team as far as uh, runners in scoring position and being able to produce runs. It was just everything that went right at 1 p.m. on Saturday did not go the way of the Tigers for the next two games. Like I said, I mean, they had they had seven hits and three walks. They had 10 base runners and drove in two runs. 10 base runners. That's not a bad day at the office. It's really not that bad. And like, we'll get to the pitching because that's its own thing. But it's really not not that bad of an offensive outing. Cool, his slider has been nutty this year. Continued to be nutty in this game on Sunday. And then, I mean, Saturday, we we already talked. I kind of know I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But like the offense as a whole has just been so not able to produce any runs that like it needs to be talked about on a more broad scale than just a game to game basis. Like I don't even care about 1 PM on Saturday. I really don't. As far as the offense goes, obviously I care greatly about Mickey getting 3000, but I don't care about like the 13 runs. I don't care who, who cares? (laughs) It's clearly the anomaly because the two games after we're back to the same old, same old, and the same old, same old is what we've gotten all season up to, to this point. Sands, obviously, the 13-run game. So, like, I don't, I don't care about it. It is clearly the exception and not the rule up to this point. And, of course, every you know, when it happens, you're like, oh, maybe the offense is turning a corner. Maybe we, you know, going forward, maybe, maybe we'll get some life under us. And there are some individuals like Robbie Grossman is is swinging the hottest stick on the team right now. Dude's been fantastic. I think his batting average is now over 300. His OPS is in the mid 700s now. I mean, he got off to a very slow start. He's swinging a very hot stick now. So like we're we're seeing, I mean Austin Meadows is still swinging well. Um Tucker Barnhart on fire this weekend. OPS up to 671. I mean, he was barely OPSing his weight about a week ago. So, like, we're seeing some individuals start to come around, but, I mean, Jamer and Jonathan Scope are the two big ones, right? Those are the two that are just brutal at the play right now and cannot get anything of anything. The thing is, it's not like... I've said this before about the team as a whole, and, and it applies to the two of them. They're not getting, like, blown away. It's not like, oh, they just look uncompetitive. You know, what? like, the, neither of them struck out on Sunday. Both of them went over. Neither of them struck out. Actually, I think Scopey had a hit. I think Scopey had a hit later in the game. So, combined, I think they went one for eight. No walks, no Ks. Like, and, and, and like Jamer had a, he had one really softly hit ball, but had a couple of hard hit balls this weekend. Scope had a couple of balls to the outfield. It's just, th- there's a difference. This is how I'll, I'll put what's, what's going on in my head. 
there is a difference to me between frustrated and what concerned irritated versus concerned <laughs> i'm frustrated as all heck this is frustrating to watch as i i know it is for all of y'all too this isn't enjoyable watching the offense go out there and put two runners on and then not be able to ever bring them home that's very clearly frustrating but I'm not concerned that this is like this is the offense for this year and we're just going to be terrible. And like no one, I said this a bunch last week, no one thinks Jamer Candelario is ending the season with a 436 OPS. I don't think anybody thinks Jonathan Scope is ending the season with a 451 OPS. 451 after a hit. That is brutal. And like Torque's been coming around, he he his numbers continue to go up and up. He's getting about a knock a game. Like there there's there's stuff to to be happy about. Javi Baez came back on Sunday, uh, went over, but at least he's back in the lineup. There's there's still the pieces are still there. It's just not working. So I I, I just want to be clear. There's a difference. I am still not concerned about. Like, Jamer's going to be fine. One of the questions people keep throwing around there is, like, at what point are, are we just bailing on these two? Two different answers for two different players. Jamer Candelario is going nowhere. It, it would have to be, like, like, I'm not even kidding. Jamer would have to bat, like, f- have this 430 OPS at, like, the all-star break. Like, Jamer's going nowhere fast. He might get a day off, whatever. But J- Jamer's going nowhere fast. It-, it would take a lot for Jamer to to actually get permanently, like, hey, you're you're getting booted. You're losing your major league job. It would take quite a lot. Scopey, on the other hand, I still don't think we're close to the that time yet. I still don't think, man, I really did get sunburned to heck. Holy cow, man. Goodness, I look like Rudolph, kind of. Look at that. You can tell I was wearing sunglasses. Oh, man, that's brutal. Um, Got to see history, though, so it's all good. Scopey, on the other hand, I think has a shorter leash because he's on an expiring deal, and Cody Clemens plays second base. I, I think it's as simple as that. If Scopey was, was still here for another, what, year or two after this season, I would probably be in a lot more of the same boat as Jamer, where it's going to take a lot. Like, you'd have to be, seriously, like, Jamer, I think he'd have to be doing this into, like, June for anybody in that, on that, in the organization to be like, hey, like, maybe he's just not good anymore. Like, it, it would take a lot. But Scopey, expiring contract, and the fact that, your, I mean, arguably your best minor league hitter that's actually like on the verge of making the majors, right? Is plays the same position. So, Scopey may be a little bit of a shorter lease, but I still don't think we're there yet. I still think that's like a mid May, maybe, if I had to try and guess. A lot of it's situational, too. I mean, if he's crushing the ball and 
is just getting unlucky or, or something like that, then he's going to get a longer leash. Like they have all that information, obviously. Um, so we'll see, but I, I don't think that's close. We're even relatively close to either of those players getting that kind of treatment yet. That all being said, it is frustrating. It's unbelievably frustrating to watch the product. I'm sure it's frustrating for them too. The offense was built to be better. It should be better. But my level of concern, while it's higher than it was on opening day, is still not anywhere close to being like, wow, I, I think this team might just lose 90 again and this team might just suck. Still very far away from that. Very far away. Very far away. So there's your offensive breakdown for the weekend. Not a whole lot. A lot from one man, but not a whole lot from uh, from the rest of the team. We'll get into the pitching, and then we'll do a whole thing just on Miggy as well. Get him his flowers. But first, I got to tell y'all about LinkedIn. With spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to research your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame in your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the people right to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. We are back here for segment two at Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, checked out, check out the Locked On Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other, free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, just like us, baby. Okay, let's get into uh, some more stuff. We talked about the offense, just not – it feels like there's no rhythm. You know the difference between, like, being able to – because we looked at the box score, right? We look at the box score, and it we're again ten base runners, two runs. It just feels like there's no flow. Like we're getting some runners on base. Where it's not again. We have a lot of pitches per at bat. We're having some pretty competitive at bats. Balls are falling. I mean, Austin Meadows is like the Babip God right now. Like we we got some stuff going on. It's just, there is no rhythm. There's, there's no momentum. Maybe that's the word. We can't find any momentum. It's just like something like we, we get two base runners with two outs or, or, or we get two guys on and then get into a double play. 
And like, it's just, there, there's no rhythm. There's no momentum to the offense. They can't carry momentum throughout a game. It, it's just, it's very frustrating as, as I'm sure you agree. It's very, very frustrating. So let's not talk about it then. We're going to end on Miggy. I think, I think we'll end on him. He deserves it. Uh, so let's get into the pitching from the weekend. Tarek Skubal, obviously the story on the mound for the weekend, was absolutely fantastic. 13 swings and misses. Uh, was pumping 96 pretty much the entire game. He went six shutout. Just absolutely fantastic. He The, the stuff has obviously always been very good. The command was sensational. And the pitch mix I really liked as well. I've never really had a problem with Scoobles' pitch mix. I think it's always been been pretty solid. Like he knows how to make people swing and miss. His catchers mostly knows everything. You know, AJ Hinch at the end of the day can override anything. And I, I trust him pretty much with my life. So uh, I'm always pretty content with the pitch mix from him. Uh, but I thought the command was just on a whole different level. Five hits, no walks, six strikeouts, no runs. Um, he, he was, he was sensational, absolutely sensational. As far as like specific pitches that maybe worked for him. Uh, I mean like everything, <laughs> the four seam fastball has always been his, his bread and butter and has always been where he's gotten a lot of his strikeouts, even in the minors, really lively fastball. And it, it was a fantastic pitch, unbelievably effective on Saturday's first game. But the secondary pitch that he had the most success with was the changeup. Uh, phenomenal numbers. Over 50% CSW percentage, which we've talked about before, is called strikes plus whips. So the changeup, which he threw 12 times out of 91 pitches, was either called for a strike or swung and missed for a strike over 50% of the time it was thrown. Phenomenal, right? phenomenal so he was just all around really good the slider looked really good the sinker is always pretty effective uh exit velocity was low in this game 86 and a half miles an hour for for the whole game on uh, some pitches were down as low as about 80 81 he, he was just stellar stellar by every sense and that's really nice because starting pitching stellar starting pitching has been very few and far between this season uh honestly for everybody not named Tarek Skubal. so Glad that he's still doing really well. He looked fantastic. Uh, Willie Peralta pitched pretty well for the weekend. Angel De Jesus, uh, I don't. He got sent down right after this game, but at least he got some reps. That's kind of cool, I guess. Um, I mean, getting to pitch in the game that Mickey got his three thousandth hit will always be something he can hang his hat on. Bo Brisky. This is probably actually the, well, I think Scooble might still be the biggest score, but Bo Brisky makes his major league debut in a Saturday night game. I didn't think he was that bad. I really didn't. I, I, I was pretty impressed. Mm. No, I, I mean, I was. I, I really didn't think it was that bad of an outing. I, I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, didn't give up very many hits. It's just that the hits he gave up were, you know, cranked. And that, that happens. That's going to happen. The changeup has been his pitch. If you listen to the interview that him and I did last fall, early fall or late summer, last year toward the end of the baseball season, uh, the changeup has always been 
kind of his favorite pitch when he wants a swing and a miss and when he needs a swing and a miss. Um, it was the second most thrown pitch. Got uh, two whiffs on it, second most on there. Got eight whiffs in the outing. Like, I mean, he was decently effective, and his average exit velocity was 88 miles an hour. It's just that he threw one fastball that was 106 off the bat and tanked and then threw a curveball that hung, and that one was tanked too. So, he, but again, as a whole, looking at the outing, I thought he was pretty effective. The pitch mix, I thought, was really solid going back and looking at it. Uh, the four-seam fastball, we know that I, I don't know if it's a Fetter thing, but it's definitely something that I've noticed since Fetter took over, is that when these young kids come up, they their first few starts are incredibly fastball heavy. And I think that's just like, hey, man, make sure you throw strikes. We're not trying to walk people in your major league debut. We're not trying to mess around and, and, and have people be put on base. So I think that is a bigger source of it than it just is like, hey, we want you to throw your fastball as much as possible. I think it's probably more of just being anti-walk. But he, he threw the fastball more than 50% of the time, and he threw – registered for five different pitches so that tells you how kind of over no other pitch was even thrown 20 percent of the time so really threw the fastball a lot really heavily relied on it uh i mean eight called strikes four whiffs wasn't a bad pitch again all of these were pretty effective like he, he wasn't he, he wasn't that bad I, I was pretty impressed with it and i was really excited for the outing uh i, I like the kid a lot i really do and I, I think that he can be some and, and he's he's got that dog in him. You know, he's just he's got that dog in him. So I, I I'm really pumped to see his future. And, and I mean, he didn't get optioned right after the game. So we like he's still here. And we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. He might be here uh, for a while if um, if if Manning and Mize are on the I.L. for a minute, he might be around for a while. And I'm pretty pumped about that. The bullpen continued to be fantastic in this one. Will Vest looked solid this weekend. His ERA is like in the low threes now. Alex Lang looked really good. Drew Hutchinson had a bounce back. Looked really solid. Uh, Willie Peralta looked really solid this weekend. Ronnie Garcia gave up, I think, one hit, two hits. Gave up a run, whatever. He got optioned after the game. Uh, all signs point to that being for Andrew Chafin, which is obviously sweet. Sub two ERA reliever getting added to the lone bright spot of this team has been the bullpen. And now we're adding, I mean, a guy statistically last year would have been our best relief pitcher in a, in a pretty solid bullpen. So that's obviously really cool. Um, what else happened around the, the organization? Alex Fiedo called up to triple a Kyle Funkhauser put on the 60 day IL. That's just frustrating as heck as well. Um, man, he just came in and it was sore. He came in a spring and it was like he had a sore lat. And then like all of a sudden now he's getting put on the 60 in the, in the middle of April. Really tough. Uh, but Joe Jimenez continued to look good. Michael Fulmer looked good. Jacob Barnes. His ERA is still less than 0.01 through the weekend. That's all I'm going to say. The bullpen continues to be a bright spot. Tyler Alexander started on Sunday. Um, on the, this year, the dude has really struggled finishing off an inning. 
that's pretty much been the, the, the biggest struggle he's had is he can't very, very much struggling to, to finish an inning and, and, and just get a third out. And that was no different on Sunday, and it was no different in his last start either. Had a good first start of the year, I believe, if I remember right. Yeah. So that's where we are. That There's your rundown of the performances. Bullpen still really good. Starting pitching, Tarek Skubal, and then everybody else. Offense still unbelievably frustrating. We went through the news and notes for everybody. Okay, let's get into Miggy. Let's end on Miggy. But first, I got to tell you all about Built Bar. It's that time of year where most people, I mean, we're heading into almost May. Most people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. But if yours is about sticking help, eating, sticking to eating healthy, that's what I'm trying to say, then you are not giving up on your New Year's resolution because of Built Bar. Wow, this is a great ad read. Uh, it almost feels like it's not a resolution because people actually enjoy eating them, myself included. If you haven't tried the puffs, you have to. You're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. They're going to be your new favorite. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Bilt Bars covered in 100% real chocolate. They have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually is about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. All fantastic, all good for you. At Built Bar, they care about the taste. Then they make it. They, (laughs) jeez, they make it taste delicious because they care about the taste. Then they make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. That was tough. All right, we're back for our third and final segment here at Locked on Tigers. Let's talk about Miggy. Gets to 3K on a very short list of major league players to reach 3,000 hits. On a shorter list, seven, I believe, is the number, to have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. And he's a double away from becoming the third player in Major League Baseball history. To have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and 600 doubles. None of the people that were on that list have won a triple crown. He will stand alone in that regard. Also, a 310, I believe it is currently, career batting average. That goes down in the last year and a half. Still going to be over 300. It would take a monumental slump and uh, really rough last year and a half for him to to not be an above 300 hitter for his career very short list of people that have accomplished all those things he is the greatest hitter that you have ever seen in a tiger's uniform and the crazy thing is it does not matter how old you are that is true you could you you could have seen prime k line miggy's the best hitter you've ever seen in the tiger's uniform could have seen Greenberg, the RBI machine. Miggy's the best hitter you've ever seen in the Tiger uniform. He's unreal. I don't think we have anyone that was still kicking it listening to this show 
when Ty Cobb was around, then I might get somebody that was like, hey, <laughs> you know, I, I saw I saw prime Ty Cobb. Might, you know, that dude's no, career numbers are, are absolutely insanity. But we've talked about how short the lists are. The players that have accomplished what he has accomplished. Take it all in. He's only here for another year and a half. He's retiring after next season. Taking every second you can. I don't care if it's not prime Miggy anymore. I don't care if he's if if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I, he's not worth the three hundred million. He's not worth the thirty year thirty mil a year. Uh, I'm angry about everything. I don't care, man. Enjoy it while he's still here, because eventually he's not gonna be. And even though you're you're complaining about his salary. You bet your bottom dollar that you're going to be telling the next generation that you got to watch him play. So just enjoy it. I got to be at the milestone game with my father. Awesome moment. Got to got to share that with my dad. It was very cool. 3,000 hits. Got to share this sunburn with 3,000 hits too. My face is killing me. But very, very cool. Very much worth it. Jose Iglesias running over, being the first one to greet him. Tugs the heartstrings a little bit, don't it? Tugs uh, tugs the heartstrings. He's unbelievable. And I know the debate will always be who's the best hitter of the generation, him or Pujols. And most people outside of the city of Detroit are going to say are going to say Pujols. And on a pure statistics merit. Pujols in St. Louis uh, probably has an edge over the career of Miguel Cabrera. But I'll be darned if there wasn't a higher peak. I'll be darned. That that 2011 to 2014 Miguel Cabrera was... There wasn't a batter dude on the planet. There wasn't anybody that a pitcher was more scared of. There wasn't a hitter that was more respected. He was that dude. He is that dude. He always will be that dude. Just enjoy it. Enjoy him while you still can because only got a year and a half left. A little over a year and a half, right? Closer to two seasons because we're still early on in this one, but you get the point. First bout Hall of Famer will go in wearing an old English D. 24 will be retired as soon as it's eligible to be after he retires. And then my debate is uh, add to the statue collection. That's my favorite debate. Does Miguel Cabrera get a statue in left field with Hank and Cobb, K-Line, Horton, Garinger? Does he get a statue? Who else is on there? Newhauser? I think that's everybody. Miguel Cabrera get a statue? Even if he doesn't want a ring, does he get a statue? That's the most common counter I've heard when I ask people that. I love having debates about, about him and Verlander specifically. and whether Because they're, they're obviously both of their numbers are going to get retired the, the second that they can. 
35 and 24 will never be worn by a tiger again after both of them retire from playing, right? That's a slam dunk. No question. It's going to happen. Both of them are going into the Hall of Fame wearing old English D's. Don't care if Verlander wins two more rings with the Astros. Not happening. He's going in as a Tiger. So I always ask the statue question because that's actually kind of a debate. Verlander will say for a different day, this is Miggy's day. Even if he doesn't win a ring this year or next year, does Miguel Cabrera get a statue? Answer that question uh, in the replies or on Twitter or whatever. Um, also, I mean, just want to talk about your favorite Miggy moments. We can go through some of those. He's the man. He's the man. It was a very special weekend. Hard to be too, for me personally, hard to be too, uh, up in arms and, and red in the face mad. Well, I'm kind of just red in the face from the sun, but, um, too angry about, about the, the weekend because I, you know, Getting to see history like that is is very cool. Very, very cool. Join while he's still here. Okay. That'll do it on my end. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB. Host Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully's. Brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. And check out, I believe... Paul and I are going to do, uh, he's going to have me on Lockdown MLB to talk about Miguel Cabrera. So if you want a full kind of, uh, we gave him the final segment. We gave him his flowers. He absolutely deserves it. But if you want more of a full show and maybe a broader, like the whole MLB's outlook of Miguel Cabrera, you can check that out. I'll be a guest on his show. I think today, either Monday or Tuesday's episode. I'm not sure yet, but uh, by the time you're listening to this, you can look it up and, and find out yourself. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope, and I'll catch y'all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.